do Jewish women talk about midlife? Hi, I'm Devara Krasniansky, and I've been coaching women for a long time in all areas of life, including women in midlife. Midlife is an exciting time, but it's also confusing, and so I invite experts to join me here as we unpack this crazy and interesting time of our lives. You can join our conversations on our Facebook group, Jewish Women Talk About Midlife, and on our website, Jewish Midlife. Midlife gets us thinking and growing in so many aspects of our lives. In this conversation, we're talking about starting and growing a business. I spoke with Dr. Ozzy Yankovic, a business consultant and entrepreneur, about starting a new business at any age. It's never too late to start a business, and there's all sorts of reasons why women choose to start and grow their business. For some, it's about the money. Others want to use their time productively, and others have something they want to contribute to the world or share their passions and expertise. Everyone's why is unique to their situation, and so their hows will also be. In this conversation, Dr. Ozzy shared some core mindsets and practical points to get your business started on its path of growth and success. Enjoy. Midlife is a big unknown phase at this point, and uh, there's so many questions, and that's what we're trying to address, the wide range of questions. And a question that I get a lot is, like, what should I do with the next half of my life? I don't like the work I was doing, or I wasn't able to work until now, or I was busy with my family, I want to do something. And people have all kinds of questions about going back to work. Some want to start a business, and they don't know how or what. And so that's a big question I keep getting. And so I'm really grateful to Dr. Ozzy for coming on to talk about this. Uh, Ozzy has a wonderful podcast, Inspired by Purpose. I just love the name, the inspired, the purpose. the And you talk about work, work that's purposeful. And you've helped, uh, Ozzy's helped so many people starting their entrepreneurship and service-based uh, mostly. And just not only on the technicals, but mostly on the who you are in the business. And I just love the angle that you come at and the way that you present it. So I'm really excited for this conversation because there's so much that goes into the behind the scenes of set, uh, behind, setting yourself up for success of the business. And that's a lot what I hear in your podcast and the way you talk. So I'm really excited. I have a lot of questions that came in and some questions to really get this conversation going. So thank you, Ozzy. Devorah, thank you. Thank you. It's an honor to be here. It's a pleasure. I love the work that you're doing and I'm excited for this conversation. So thank you. So a question that comes up first is, can I even start a business at my age, whatever my age means, but we're talking to midlife and I don't think that it makes a difference of what age you're at. Uh, anyone can start a business, but I think that, that the, there's something under that question. It's like, can I even start? So could you, can you talk to that a little bit? Oh my goodness. Yes. You know, I think what happens as we get older is that we hang on to these ideas, these paradigms of what we think reality is, right? So perhaps we grew up and we considered, we saw business a certain way. Maybe when people think about a business, they think of a business like Zoom, or they think of a restaurant chain, or you know, perhaps they have something in mind. But I'm here today to say to you, let's put that aside and let's make this as simple as we possibly can. Now, I'm going to give you an example that happened in my own life about two weeks ago. It was last week. My 18-year-old daughter is looking for some extra pocket change so she can go on her graduation trip to Italy in a few weeks. And she had thought to do some extra babysitting jobs. Now, here in Israel, if you're a babysitter, you get paid around $15, $18 an hour at that age. She has a lot of responsibilities. She drives. You know, she's good at what she does. 
Now, at the same time, if you do something else, you can make more money than babysitting. And I know my daughter and I know how well she's organized my home. So I said to her, Hannah, what if we go out onto Facebook and we share with people that you've organized our home? We can show them pictures. We can, you know, you have a testimonial. I'm your mom here. I can vouch for you. And then we offer that service. And instead of charging 50 shekels like you would get for babysitting, let's charge double because that's the going rate for organization. And we did a little test and now she has clients and now she has a business. So I would love to talk about that model. I call it the flexible startup model. Simplify, 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 and make this doable because yes, anyone can start a business when you learn to take on this new mindset, really taking on a beginner's mindset about business can go so, so far. So then the question is, what could my business be? Your daughter has that skill and she has you to kind of guide her and say, look what you can do. But some people have big dreams and like you said, let's start it a little bit smaller. And some people don't have a specific dream. They don't, they just know that they want to start something or that they need to start something, whatever their starting point is, where to go or which one of my big dreams should I choose? So like, how can we kind of narrow down what to be doing? How do we, how do we start? Where do we start? I think the first piece is really taking a self inventory. Like when you were growing up, if you had ideas or you had big dreams, what did people say to you? And I think it's also really worth looking at those narratives, those thoughts in our own minds, right? So what happens when you think to yourself, wow, I want to start that restaurant chain. And then in come the voices, oh, it's going to be so hard. Or what if it fails? Or you can't really do that. Or you don't know enough. Or all of the different you know, thoughts that can come up. So I think it's really worth giving yourself the freedom to explore and to play and to try new things. And you know, when it comes, when it comes down to like choosing what it is you're going to do, I'm actually not one to say, just follow your passion, right? So my daughter could have a passion for butterflies, but that doesn't necessarily mean she needs to start a butterfly estuary. Um, I think it's about, maybe that would be a big hit here. Who knows? But it's, it's this combination. If you've ever seen Ikigai, it's this Japanese model for looking at where where to put my energy in this life? What do I do? And there's an intersection at what am I excited about? What am I interested in? What are my passions? And what are my skill sets? I believe those can grow and evolve. We can always learn how to do new things. And then what are people going to pay me for? And finding the intersection of those things. So for her, it was organization. And maybe that'll evolve and turn into something else. For someone else, let's say it's the restaurant chain. Someone's passionate about starting a cupcake restaurant, cupcake cafe. And they're intimidated because they don't want to go have to take out the lease for the store and then decorate the store and then buy the supplies and get the certifications. And, you know, this is a big undertaking. It is no wonder that anyone would think twice or even stop in their, their tracks when trying to do something that seems big like this. But here's where I come in and I say, let's use the flexible startup model. Let's bake some cupcakes in our kitchen. Let's have our family taste them and let's see how our family likes them. Let's have some friends over to taste the cupcakes. 
And if they like the cupcakes, let's make more. And if they want a different flavor or they think the cupcakes are a little too salty or too sweet, let's make adjustments. And then let's tell the neighbors that we're selling cupcakes and we'll sell them for a really reasonable price. And we will make sure that our neighbors are happy with their cupcakes or we'll replace the cupcakes. And after the neighbors buy the cupcakes, we'll ask them what other flavors they want. What do they want more of? And pretty soon you're sharing your offers, you're selling what you have, and you're making money to fuel your ability to make more cupcakes and offer them to more people and gather more feedback. And pretty soon you have a whole business, you have delivery people. And at that point, perhaps it would be time to open up your store if you decide to go that route. So do you see the difference in terms of looking at that big, scary commitment on one hand, or having this very flexible, very free, very playful, and yet strategic and intelligent way of starting a business? It's a lot less intimidating, and it's a lot more sustainable. And so I think that kind of addresses some of that, who am I to start a business? It's like... I can bake cookies. I mean, obviously, if you're thinking about cu uh, cupcakes, you have something about cupcakes because that wouldn't talk to me at all because I'm not the baker at all. But it talks to them for some, for whatever. Otherwise, I wouldn't be picking cupcakes. That is, if like, you know, sure. who has made money in the neighborhood? Oh, oh someone's made money making cupcakes. I can do it too. Or somebody's made money making cupcakes in Cleveland. So I'm not going to do the competition in my local place. So I can do that too. It's more like really, really going back to yourself. And what do you yeah. like to do? Absolutely. So I think it's very much about what you like to do. And it's also about staying on the pulse of what people want from you. Now, I'll share a personal story with you that I took a hiatus from business. I was really in a position, you know, I, I became an entrepreneur by accident. I was an educator. I had a doctorate in education in the States. And then I moved to Israel and my life was turned upside down and I didn't see myself. I didn't foresee myself in the formal field of education here in Israel. And I started pursuing my passions instead. One thing led to another and I became an entrepreneur. That's a whole story. But, um, you know, I think, I think that it's so interesting to, to stay in tune with what people want. So in the beginning for me, when I became an entrepreneur, it was because people were asking me, Ozzy, how did you start a podcast? How did you write a book? How are you making these ads on social media? And I would answer their questions. And pretty soon they were coming back to me with more and more and more. And it, it made sense to charge money for my time. So that's how I started. At the same time, I was letting my business run me when I first started. And I became really busy. I started running coaching groups and masterminds. And I was having, you know, $25,000 launches for 12-week programs. And it was like I was working a little bit and I was make, starting to make good money. But, Devorah, I was really letting my business run me. I was, I didn't set up the boundaries that I needed to have in my business. I didn't come about it from <clears throat> as structured of a place as I think I needed to. But again, that's because I sort of fell into entrepreneurship. Now I took a break and I strategized and I stepped back and I decided to slowly get back into entrepreneurship this past January. So I had spent 2022 working in video production with my husband, who's been running a production company for 20 years. And I'd been learning about marketing and video production and 
I was also working on marketing that business. It's called Kesher Video. And I was working on that and I, I was loving it. But at the same time, I missed my own podcast. I missed having my own clients and I wanted to dip my toes back in. So January rolls around and I put out a, I had a reunion of some of my old clients and we spoke about our experiences and where they're at now. And some of them shared what they'd learned in the program with me. Now that is what I call evidence. Okay. Anywhere in your business process, whether you're baking cupcakes or you're starting a podcast or you're opening a consulting business, you want to be in, in tune with, and you want to be connected with the results, the impact that you're having on people, because that's what motivates you. That's what prevents us from burnout. So I was listening to some of the feedback. I thought to myself, you know what, maybe I'll just do a group. Maybe I'll do a, a little group. I'll do something to get, you know, to get back into the groove. And I launched a group and within a couple of weeks, I had a lovely group of women together for a six month mastermind. And I also decided in celebration of a couple thousand followers on Instagram, I would do a giveaway. So I launched this giveaway, I created a little flyer on Canva and I put it out on social media and I had a link to a Google doc. Okay. Now on that Google doc, I want you to listen carefully. I asked for the name and the email address. And then I asked, what business are you in? What are your goals for your business? And what are your challenges with your business? Now, after I announced the winners to the giveaway, I had data in my hands from dozens of ideal clients and I knew their exact struggles. So not only did I send out a mass email announcing the winners and announcing some of the, the new offers that I had, I sent individualized emails to each entrant who had issues, challenges that, that I thought I could address. I was able to bring in new clients just from those emails. Okay. So that is about staying connected with what people need and what you're able to then provide them. Flash forward a few months. Here I am. It's May of 2023 and I'm podcasting and I've just put out episode 87 today. Episode 88 comes out next week. It is with my absolute hero, my number one hero in the world, Dr. Edith Eva Eager. And I'm just so excited about my podcast. And one of the things that we do to promote it is that we create little clips. So Dora, have you ever scrolled through Facebook and you see, you know, um, you see an image? From, okay. You see the clips. So you, they're one minute, you get a highlight, whether or not you listen to the podcast, it promotes the podcast and it also promotes my guests work. Okay. I love highlighting my guests. Now, I revisited the giveaway data last week, and I started noticing a pattern that many of the women who were struggling in their marketing were not utilizing video. So I had this moment, and I thought to myself, hmm, I'm producing video clips for my podcast guests, and they're looking amazing. And when I reflect back on my own business journey, I have hired social media teams since 2020. And the number one thing they've asked me for are video clips. Now, when I was getting started, I would pick up my phone and I would look at it and I never looked right and the lighting wasn't right. And I, I was, you know, everything I would say, it was like not making sense. I didn't look competent. I wasn't feeling confident and I could never send them the clips. And it was so unfortunate because I was paying good money for social media. And I was really missing out on this opportunity to connect with my ideal clients. 
So I had this flashback. I'm thinking of the podcast clips and I'm reading this data and this light bulb goes on. And I think to myself, what would happen if I start offering this as a service? Like what would happen if I hop on a call with an incredible entrepreneur like yourself? I interview you about what lights you up, some of the challenges your clients have, the things you offer, the results you give to them. I make you clips and you can use those clips on all of your marketing. And they're going to look amazing and you're going to sound amazing. You're going to look competent and you're going to be friendly and everything that you'll need to market strategically. So I mentioned this to a friend of mine last week. I said to her, you know, I'm, she's an entrepreneur also. I said, listen, I have this idea. I was just wondering what you think about it. She says to me, Ozzy, what are you charging? And I threw a number out and she said, all right, sign me up. And I had a client. And it was like the coolest thing. So then I went on social media and someone reached out to me that afternoon. And I noticed she had only static posts on her Instagram. And I mentioned this to her and she expressed interest and boom, another client. This has been happening every single day since last week. Okay. I'll be really honest with you. Selling coaching packages has not always happened so quickly for whatever reason. This is just an easy sell. And I got so excited that I decided to buy a web domain. So I went to godaddy.com. Anyone who's never bought a website, you go to this, you go to this uh, site, it's called GoDaddy. You click in the name you want. And I got super lucky. I found the domain I wanted, customcreatedclips.com. It was $10. Okay. Go figure. I buy the domain. My daughter, who's 18, says to me, why don't you have AI build you a website? So I say to her, I say, what's, you know, what is that? So she tells me there's this website and all you do is type in the name of your business and what you do and it makes a website for you. So I go online. This is after Shabbat. Okay. This is last night. I go online and I'm waiting for like technical issues. I'm waiting for it to be difficult. And lo and behold, it took me 10 minutes to create this website. I did nothing special. I don't know. There's no graphics, no coding, no nothing. I have a website now called customcreatedclips.com. I made it in literally 30 minutes and boom, bam. It was just simple, not complicated. Listen, it's not fancy or flashy. It's like really basic, but at the same time, it tells people what I do and they can fill out a form and I get that form in my email and then I can reach out. What's going to happen next, right? So I have this, this little business. I have, you know, a couple clients. I'm going to then take a percentage of my income from these jobs and I'm going to allocate that to marketing to larger circles. Maybe I'll spend some time and money getting onto podcasts or a news channel or, you know, trying to pitch to an article or hiring someone who can do all those things for me. Whatever it is, I'm taking part of that money to market. And I'm also making sure my clients are really, really happy. So I want to make sure they are so proud of their videos that they will shout from the rooftops, go to custom created clips and get your clips done. I want it to be that successful for them. So that is what it is with starting anything, whether it's cupcakes or a new website or a new podcast. We want to stay in tune with the result we're having. Are we helping people? We want to do what we do so, so well for one person that even if one person is watching this video and they love it, they'll share it. And then it's two people. And if they share it, it's four and then eight and 16 and 32 and 64. And pretty soon you have thousands of people at your disposal. So 
I think we can simplify all of this. And I really believe that anyone can start a successful business, Deborah. I heard a lot of things, but one of the things that you said is that it's successful for them. It's about them. It's not about me making money, even if, of course it is about me making money, but about really providing for the customer and seeing it as a service for the customer. And I love that you work with mostly service-based businesses because I think that it is different. And I think even like a cupcake business is a service-based business, even though there are actual products. But I want to talk a little bit more to the mindset behind a service-based business. I know that some of us want to make the money, but coming from that, I need to make the money. I need to get that client changes the way we operate. So I want to talk to that a little bit. Great. What specifically can I share with you? So the idea of that, uh, that scarcity that I need to make this client, or I need to have kind of impacts the way we present. And I want to talk to that aspect of how we think about as a service-based business specifically about the customer and providing for them, not I need the client. So I think it's a huge mindset shift. And when we are open to asking questions and understanding people's needs, I think we can also choose who we want to work with. So for example, my daughter put the word out last week, she heard back from a few people and she heard back from one of those people who was questioning her pricing and haggling her on her pricing and asking her to charge less. And she didn't know what to do. And I said to her, like, you're starting out. You don't need this client. Why don't you focus on the people who are already pleasant to work with and see what you can do there? Okay. I think that even if she didn't have leads, I think there's still a way to put out the word. I think that anyone who wants to start a business, even if you put the word out once, hey, I'm starting an organizing business and nobody responds, I think you can just push forward, try it, try it different ways, try it in different places, reword it. I think that we do need customers. We do need clients in order to have income to fuel our business. But I think that the reason we want all of that, we need all of that is because we are trying to be useful. Everyone wants to be useful. I have a client Devorah, who was sharing with me that she does a home-based business. She has a home-based service business. And she was in a client's home a few weeks ago, and she was trying to do the work that she does. And the client was unavailable. The client was on the phone. And she's sitting here. Let's call her Pamela. That's not my client's name, but let's just say Pamela's sitting in this home, and she's trying to do a job, and she's trying to help her client, and her client's not available. And she didn't feel good about that. Because at the end of the day, she wants to do something to help other people. And I firmly believe that that is all of us. I think that we all want to be useful. We all want to be helpful. And I think that if we can be really honest with ourselves about all the different things that that could look like and being really open to the feedback that we're hearing from people, we can have a conversation with them and we can ask them, like, what do you think I might be able to help you with? Or... You know, just staying in tune, having conversations, asking questions, I think we can find the ideal clients. And I think it's a real win-win. Right. I feel like for some people, they take the first clients and they can be exhausting and kind of deflate the whole idea. Like, I think that was some of the experiences that I, I talked to someone recently. She was starting a business and the first person she wanted, she just needed that client. She thought she would get testimonials. She didn't charge very much for it. 
and she just sapped all the energy out of everything. And I was like, an unfortunate start. But I think that if she would have asked some questions, she would have seen that this person was going to be a, a drain. Yeah, I think that it's worth not forcing things. Like, I, I don't believe in coercing people to work with me. I think that in the beginning of my business, I thought to myself, oh, if I have some really nifty sales script in, on my call, or if I say the right things, or if I do this, or if I do that, it's not about me at the end of the day. It's about them. And, you know, funny enough, I was on a sales call last week, Devorah, with someone, with a woman who's in PR. And we've been, we've been following each other on Instagram and she has such a fun vibe and I see that she does good work. And for whatever reason, I got on the call with her and she wanted to tell me all about her clients. And at one point I said to her, I know that you're good at what you do. So let's talk about me and what I need and how you might be able to help me. Right. She was so in this mindset of trying to prove herself to me and Maybe it was her way of like trying to sell or I don't know what was going on. But at the end of the day, what is sales about? It's about getting in tune with some what someone else needs and seeing if your Lego pieces fit together. That's all it is. We're looking for a match and maybe not everybody's going to be our match. You know, I think that it's worth putting this out there. There's a number in the world of sales, nine out of 10 sales calls end with the word no, nine out of 10. I meet people these days that have like, you know, seven out of 10 that they do close. I think it's possible, but I think it's really worth considering when you're starting out, not everyone's going to be a fit and it doesn't mean anything about you. It just means you're not, you're not in sync. You're not synchronized. Maybe there's something else for you or someone else for you. Maybe it's not the right time. Whatever it is, it's not worth forcing because if we allow the right people to come in our sphere and we just stay egoless about it, we don't have to deal with the pushing and the pressure and then have that exhausting client. Don't exhaust yourself to get the client and you won't feel exhausted. That's very important. I think that's what leads to the next question like where people ask me, like, how do I make sure that I don't fail? And I don't think that's possible, but there are some things that people do that might trip them up. And so let's talk to that a little bit. Sure. So I think that we have to reframe failure. We have to reframe failure and we have to look at everything as feedback. Everything you do is an opportunity for you to learn, for you to grow, for you to improve as a person and as a business owner. So if you take my flexible approach and let's say you start out by selling your cupcakes to the neighborhood and for whatever reason, you put the wrong ingredient in there. You put chocolate flavor instead of strawberry and none of your orders went through right and your customers didn't like those chocolate cupcakes because they ordered strawberries. Is that a failure or is that a learning experience? You can look at it either way. And it's not a huge failure because you didn't offer it to that many people. It wasn't on a mass scale. It wasn't in your bakery, it's something that you can handle, right? You're taking on as much as you can handle as you can chew and you can learn from that. So if someone were to look at that as a failure, they could look at themselves and say, well, I don't know how to bake. I can't keep my ingredients straight. I should just get out of this industry while, you know, while I can. They can call that a failure or they can learn, okay, what do I need to do in my process to ensure that the right ingredients get in? What do I do if a customer is not happy? How can I deal with that? How can I serve them? How can I make it up to them? I think there's 
always a way to learn. And I think if we take this flexible approach, there is no failure that you cannot withstand. Okay, I think that's important. Another question that I got was, how do I, do I need a business plan to start a business? And how much of a strategy do I need or how many steps ahead should I be thinking? Do I need a five-year business plan? We talk to that a little bit. So, you know, it's funny because I think if you, if you, if you were to do a Google search or even ask chat GPT, what do I need to have a business plan? You would come up with like 74,000 different options. So here's what I want to say about a business plan. I believe in setting concrete goals. So for example, in our mastermind, we set a six month goal. With that being said, we're going to be flexible. We're going to make sure that our goal is strategic. We're going to make sure it's measurable. So I might say something, a client might say something like, I want to have a hundred recurring orders um, for my, you know, for my cupcake business every week. I keep using this, this example and believe it or not, I don't even eat a lot of cupcakes, but I just think it's fun to talk about salad business. Let's talk about a salad business. I want to have for my home delivery business, my salad home delivery business, a hundred recurring clients in six months. So you'd step back and you'd think to yourself, what do I need to do to get to that point? Now, let's say that you're starting off with that, you know, week one, let's say you have five, you want to do your numbers. You want to figure out what's my plan to grow. What are the, the different marketing strategies that I can do that are low cost or no cost? How can I encourage my customers to market more on a word of mouth basis, right? What are the things that I can do to grow this business? And you're going to want to make a list of all those actions. And as you go through them each week and do all of the things to grow your business, you want to take stock of them. I say take stock of them once a week. So let's say you do 20 different things to grow your business each week. Now, those 20 things could include five social media posts, uh, sending uh, 10 emails, five texts. It could include putting a sign on the corner of your, at the community center on the bulletin board. Whatever you're doing to grow your business, mentioning it in a conversation, going to a networking event, anything you're doing. For some of us who are further along, paid advertising. Okay, at the end of the week, you look at the list of 20 things and you're going to highlight the four things that actually move the needle the most. And the next week that comes along, you're going to focus on those. Now, obviously, not everything is going to have an outcome over the period of a week. So you're going to want to keep your list on hand and revisit it and do this over the long term. But as you move forward, you want to get a sense for what is actually moving my business along. Was it the time that I passed out flyers? Was it the time that I sent that email? Was it the time that I did the live Zoom event? What are the things that are really working? And let's do more of those. So that leads to a little bit of that imposter syndrome. Like, who am I to be putting out an ad or... If I put out an ad, are people going to be saying like, who is she to be in that business? Like, what is what is her experience? Mm -hmm. Okay, so let's talk about that for a minute. What kind of an ad would you like to put out? So should we say that it's like a salad, home salad delivery business? Let's go with that. Okay. You got your home salad delivery business. And let's say you're not a chef. So you're feeling a little insecure. Like, who am I to make a salad? You want to put out the flyer, but there's this, who am I to make a salad? I'm not a chef. 
and I don't have an organic garden in my backyard. And what if someone thinks I should have an organic garden in my backyard? And wait a second, what if I don't know all 2000 types of salads that exist in the world? And what if you could what if yourself all day out of this one? And that is what the brain does to keep you safe. However, if you focus on your purpose, your purpose is to help busy people live healthier lives. And when you focus on the fact that you are trying to help humans live healthier lives, your ad and all of that gibberishy nonsense just fades to the background because no longer does it matter that you're not a chef. No longer does it matter that you don't have the organic garden in your backyard. It doesn't matter that you don't know all 70,000 types of salad recipes. You know one salad recipe and you eat it and it's helped you become healthier and now you can help someone else. And that's it. That is the focus. And as you it's said, not about you. It's not about you. So we start with that one salad and listen now if someone, if someone can give you ideas for the next salad, if you listen. Yes. And you can send them a little text or a Google doc. How did you enjoy your salad? Would you like any extra toppings? Are you interested in these other salads? Right? All of those things. Do you know a friend who might like a salad coupon? Ooh, there's a new client, right? So there's a lot you can do. And I want to reiterate this again and again and again. It doesn't end, right? I just launched this little, you know, this AI website and I'm launching it. I'm thinking like, gosh, who am I to produce videos? But then I look at the evidence and I'm like, wait a second. I, I make them all the time and I'm going to make a couple and I'm going to see how they are. I, You know, it's like you just look for the evidence and you think to yourself, who am I not to do this? I have something that I know can help these women, these female entrepreneurs. This will help them. And if I'm busy doubting myself and holding myself back, it's not about me. It's hurting them. It's denying people of an opportunity. And I, I can't do that. I can't do that. I think it's really, really, really selfish to doubt ourselves. Yeah. I, I mean, that whole flip of it is like selfish to doubt ourselves. And especially if we have a calling and the experience, otherwise we wouldn't be thinking about that particular thing if we didn't have some connection to it. So to provide. Yeah, and yeah. And I think when it comes to experience, like it's so worth looking at this as a step-by-step. -step. So if you're doing the salad business and you made yourself a good salad, guess what? You do have experience. You have enough experience to offer it to a few more people. I think it's really worth considering that even if you don't have the experience, okay, so go get the experience. Go watch a YouTube video on making an amazing salad. Go watch a YouTube video on how to start a podcast or take my podcasting course. Learn something, learn something little and useful and do something small and look for the evidence that it worked and that you helped someone. And just remember, it is about helping someone else. About helping someone else, not everybody. You don't have to, I'm like, but it worked for me and this one imposters. I don't have to be the best at what I'm doing for everybody. I have to be helping some people in my style, different boutiques for different people. And I think that I tell myself that all the time, that I don't have to be the best. I know I was like in school, I was the best. You know, we always work toward that. But I think that just being able to help some people and someone else can help other people and someone else can help the other people and different different personalities will connect with different people. We don't have to be 
everything for everybody. I think that kind of brought me back down to manageable. I don't have to do everything. Absolutely. You know, not everyone likes puppies. So I, I think it's worth remembering that not everyone needs to like whatever you're doing because there are so many different kinds of people in the world and we all like different things. And, you know, ultimately you mentioned that when you were in school, you were the best. And I think that a student- well, I wasn't, I, I was aiming for the best because I think that's how our schools are set up is all about the, yes. you, you get to honor certificate, but this is a whole different conversation. I don't even want to start. Yes. Well, it's an important conversation because we are in this competitive environment in school where there are the winners and the losers. And in the real world that is not artificial, there's no such thing because everyone brings something beautiful to the table and we do it in different ways. And you know something interesting? Most entrepreneurs are not A students because they're not the students who have that mentality in mind. They're the students who didn't necessarily excel in school. And so they had to look for other ways and to express themselves and feel successful. And so they might've pursued a passion. And they also were not afraid of not being the best when they went out and started their businesses. They just wanted to do the thing. The A plus student has far further to get out of their own way because if they're trying to please everyone and be the best and be all things, it's going to be an uphill battle. So if you were an A student, I would say it's time to just relax your standards and allow yourself to play and just take one baby step at a time. And, and you're not going, I, what I told myself, is you're not go, the, this is the time to not be the A student. And it was something that I had to really work through and talk to myself. You don't have to be the A student anymore. It wasn't all that important back then either, but that's a whole different topic. But yeah, I mean, I think it's worth considering also like, what does it even mean to be an A student? You know, does the world even need, like sometimes it's better to put simple things out into the world. If we are so busy trying to overthink and make the world's greatest salad, our poor neighbors are not going to have the lunches that they so want and need. Because we're so busy at home ordering exotic ingredients from Spain to make our salad an A+. They don't need that. They just need a salad. And I think that for me, that was a major shift. Is like, doesn't need to be the best or, or make everybody happy. It makes enough, enough people happy, but not everybody because it's not yeah. even going to ever happen. So just let somebody else go to a different boutique or somebody else can just not get what I'm offering. And that's okay too. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, some people like Trader Joe's, some people like Whole Foods, other people like Vons. There's, you know, there's, there's a, that's the beauty of the online world too, Devorah. You know, it's so interesting. I was thinking to myself in the olden days, if there were a general store and someone opened a general store across the street, you would have a competition because you have 200 neighbors. And the 200 neighbors are either going to go to one or they're going to go to the other. And ultimately, one of those stores can start selling something different or doing something different. Let them figure it out. But the bottom line is today, our market is huge. When you work online, you have millions and millions and millions of people at your disposal. And the idea of competition just fades to the background because you get to be you and you get to speak your unique message out into the world 
and you need to connect. You get to connect with your people and your people are going to find you. Which actually leads to the whole conversation about how much to work on the business and how much to work in the business. And a part of the, on the business is the networking. So just to differentiate working in the business is doing what you love to do and working on the business is the marketing, is the bookkeeping, is the networking. So what would be in your experience to start, which may be different when you're actually in the business of how much to work on versus in? You know what I would say? I would say at the beginning, just write down every single thing you're doing in your business and every single thing you're doing on your business and write down how long you're spending on each thing. And after a month or two, you can have a look at that list and you can think to yourself, what are the things that are working? What are the things that I like doing? And what are the things that are outsourceable? Maybe I can have someone else do my social media posting and that's not going to cost me as much money as getting someone else to make the salads, right? So you're going to look at what are the pieces that I like? What are the pieces that I don't like? What can I outsource? What can I do more of? I mean, maybe working on your business can look different ways. And so perhaps you love going to networking events, but you don't love social media. So you might just focus on networking events and doing what you love. And I think the more that you can do what you love, it doesn't really matter what you're on or you're in, you're getting business, you're bringing it in. And, you know, I do think that's an important piece. A lot of entrepreneurs struggle with the marketing of their businesses and the sales in their business. And certainly you can outsource a lot of those things over time, but I recommend in the beginning, wear the hats, try out the different aspects of your business, teach yourself how to do certain things, learn the tips and the tricks and learn all the different elements that are going into the process of running your business. Because the truth is, once you start hiring, you're going to want to know what you're hiring people for. Okay. So if I didn't know what I know about podcasting today, I could have paid someone so much money to produce an episode. But because I know what I know today, I can pay far less because I know what to tell. I know how to tell someone what to do in a way that is not going to be expensive, right? So the more you understand what's going on in your business, the more you can work on your business effectively and outsource and do all of those other things. The balance of, but I don't have any money to outsource it. So I need to learn it and I need to learn it to do it versus investing upfront a little bit in your business. So something that you're going to spend 30, 40 hours learning, that's money that you could have been spending in your business or working with a client rather than something that you don't even like to do, but you're learning how to do like learning how to make a website. Yeah. Yeah. I think, listen, I think there's trade-offs. We all have to think out of the box these days, ask chat GPT, how to do X, Y, or Z. If you don't like the answer, say chat GPT, give me a faster way. Go on YouTube, watch the videos. Like there is so much information at your disposal. I can't tell you how many of my clients come to me and they ask me how to do things that they could just go onto Google and ask Google and Google would give them a one minute video. People are so disempowered in our generation. The generation of midlifers is unbelievably disempowered when it comes to technology. They say, oh, I'll ask my husband how to do it. I'll call my son or my daughter, or they never think to themselves, I can go on and I can actually learn how to do something. They can feel so overwhelmed and they might think it's so hard. And yet, if they can just be open-minded and patient and be open to solutions, ask people certainly for advice, but know that there could be very simple solutions out there. You can make a website in under an hour and you don't have to know 
any coding skills whatsoever. I just did it yesterday. I'll give you a link. Like there are so many solutions out there, Devorah. People can start businesses with zero investment of money and very little time investment. But, and knowing what they can do. And I think what you said to the beginning is that that health flex is they can actually try it out. And it is as if I decided that I'm going to be an organizer like your daughter. And that's what I have to do. You could try it out, see how, how much you actually like it. You may think that you like organizing, but there's a business aspect of it. And there's a client aspect of it. And there's somebody else's house and somebody else's mess. And you may not actually want to be doing it as a business. Yeah. Absolutely. And things things evolve. Like she was speaking with one of the, uh, one of the women interested in hiring her who asked her, do you also do administrative work? Do you help make phone calls? And then someone else who called said, do you also clean? And you know, it's like when you have the conversations with people who are interested in you and your work, so many different doors can open. And if you allow yourself the freedom to just be flexible, my new business, Custom Created Clips, might be doing just that for the next several decades, 200 years to come. There could also be new technology around the corner. But what's my purpose? Am I focused on my purpose? I want to empower as many purpose-driven people to feel inspired and empowered to communicate their magic and serve as many people as possible. And if I stay in tune with my mission, my services and my products can update and they can evolve and I can stay relevant and my business can thrive. So I tell everyone, get really clear on what you want to do and why you want to help and everything else will evolve. And at the same time, I think the listening to people and not so when someone says, do you do this? And just say, no, I think that what would work for me is like, and what would that look like for you? Or like, and how would that help you? It's just to get a more yes. of a sense of just being curious, even though you absolutely don't want to do administrative work, just listen some more because there may be the next clue in there to kind of propel it into something else. But that's straight off, no, I don't do that. I think it's a missed opportunity. I could not agree with you more. And it's so wonderful that you use the word clues because purpose leaves clues. And I like to tell my clients and I like to remind myself to be open to possibility. There is always possibility. If you look for proof of that and you believe that, you will see possibility around every single corner. And I think that kind of brings us all the way back, circles back to the beginning. It's so much of it is the mindset. It's not only the skill set that you can bring, the salads or the cupcakes or the organizing. It's the mindset of a, of a business, of listening to the client, what they want and what you can bring and what, and also listening to the, to the world, like what is happening. Like you said, with technology, I'm, a go- I'm going to guess, I think correctly, that the technology is going to change in your, for creating videos yep. and always being attuned, like I was talking to somebody who created a business 30 years ago and as a service business and she really, she's in her upper 60s and she thinks that she's keeping updated with technology. And when you look at what she's providing, it's a wonderful service, but the how is kind of so outdated that I think that people are not using her service because of her how. And I think that she's not listening enough and that's how I see it. She's not listening enough. Yeah. Yeah. So staying in tune with your why, being flexible with your how, 
you know, in the case of this video clip business, I think that one thing about it will withstand the test of time and that's human contact because we're going to have AI doing all of our coding. We're going to have robots doing so many things for us, but there's one thing that AI will never be able to do, which is connect human to human connection. And I think that it's a really important piece to all of our businesses because, you know, I'll tell you something, something interesting. My daughter, the same daughter, I keep talking about her. I love her so much. She had a job at a cafe last year. And she told me that the same older retirees would come in every single day and they would order a coffee and they would sit there and they would want to speak to the staff and they would want to have conversations with her and talk to the people around her. And ultimately they could have been drinking mud. Okay. They did not come there for the coffee. They came there for the people. And that, that is something that is irreplaceable. It really, really is. So as much as that cafe may have had really good coffee or really weak coffee, it just didn't matter. When someone serves you something with a smile and they see you, you know, at Starbucks, they know your name. And that is huge. Like a lot of people go to Starbucks to hear their name because where else are they going to hear their name these days? Everything's on a computer screen or an iPhone screen or we need to be connected. That is how we feel alive. We learned it in Corona. And so I want to say that for me and for anyone listening, the more we can do to just foster that connection with people, that's something that that'll never be taken away from us. I think it's the, the personalized, because like you said, uh, there's so much online and what are you bringing and your style bringing? It's the, it's the you connecting with the, with the client, the person in the client, not so much the service, not so much the service, like unless people are really looking only for price, which I think that we should be focusing more on the style of the service that we're providing and not providing the cheapest price. There are some people who are going to go only for the cheapest price, but you don't have to be the one who sells at the cheapest price. I think it's providing the service, providing the you and the service is really a guiding piece. What are you bringing to their life or to their work or to whatever it is that they're trying to offering to buy from you? I think yeah, they I mean they sell the same apples at the 99 cent store or Whole Foods. A 99 cent store has organic apples. Where do you want to shop? It's totally up to you. You get to choose what environment you want to be in, what customer service are you interested in, all of those things. Yeah, what price point? What was that? Yeah, so you pay for the customer service, but you but it is the service, the whole experience. Right. And for some people, they feel really amazing going to the 99 cent store and having that sense of accomplishment that they got the deal. And I think there's really just something for everyone. And it's about staying in tune with like, what do you feel good about providing? What do you feel good about, you know, what do your customers need? What do people want to receive? I definitely don't believe in winning by having the lowest price because that is where resentment happens, right? Like if you, if somebody is going to offer the absolute lowest price on something, they're not going to be fed. It's not enough energy. It's not enough money and energy coming in to feed their business. And we need to be energized by what's coming in so that we have the energy to do more of it and create more of it. So I'm definitely not about having that competition. I think it's good to know your market. But if you're doing something in one market, it's also worth considering. Like if you're in the budget market, it's worth considering how could I change my messaging and my branding and my marketing 
and then enter that market over there because you can. Which I think goes back to a whole other piece of um, where people are like, can I really charge that? Am I really like the budget? And then make sure that you're only providing budget amount of time rather than so, like, giving so much of your time for a lower cost. Is it because you really want to help that one person? So then take that on as a pro bono or know that it's your one pro bono case. But oh, so providing a service at a lower cost for everybody is really undercharging yourself. And then I think that underselling yourself, sorry. And I really think that does lead to resentment. Absolutely. Absolutely. And sometimes less is more. I mean, I think that there's a lot we can do to empower our clients less of our time and empowering them to learn more and do more and have more agency. And again, yeah, it's really not, it's really not all about price. It's all about the results. And once you know the results that you can provide people, you can go onto a Facebook group or you can go into a meeting. You can say, how much would you pay to have your hair completely restyled in the most up-to-date fashionable way for this season? And you'll see what people say. And then you know you can offer that service. And if somebody puts a number out there that works for you, they could be your client. And then you can enter that market and you can get to know that person. And wow, they paid you a lot for it. Well, what is their life like? And you know, what magazines do they read? And what which restaurants do they go to? And you know, what's the language that they speak? Which where do they work out? And just get to know their world. And learn to speak that language and, and show up in those places and do more of that there. Like, I think we have to think out of the box and just be open and be flexible and be willing to ask questions and, and put things out there. And I think that's like a nice way to wrap this up because this, I mean, we can talk for hours about setting up a business and the person in the business and the mindsets and the working through the, what where we trip ourselves up or we get in our own way. And there's so much to talk about, but let's cut it here. Maybe we could have another conversation, but Ozzy, how can people reach you? Uh, you did mention your, your clips, but your podcasts and your, your masterminds and all the other work that you're doing. Yeah, sure. I, I think the best way to reach me directly is on my website, which is drazi.co. It's drazi.co. And if you just fill out the contact form there, I will follow up with you. If you're interested in the clips, you can mention that. And you can also visit our new website, customcreatedclips.com. Um, for the podcast, again, on my website. So those are the two places. It's inspired by purpose. Inspired I, I by love, purpose. I love the name. If Yeah. If so if you want to go straight to the podcast, it's drozzy.co backslash inspired. So thank you so much. This was such thank an important conversation. Me. I think that getting into midlife and starting something new can be scary. Uh, but it doesn't have to really be scary. You can get over the scared and you can do that with somebody. Uh, you can talk to a coach. You can also do, uh, talk to your peers, get into some sort of networking, uh, get into some sort of, if it's a trade or something, just talk to people. I think that talk to people, but with the caveat of don't listen to everything that people have to say. Some people may be naysayers. Some people may say that that's too big, too small. I think really tune into yourself and what's really possible and then really just go for it. I love that. Yeah. I love that so much. Jor, this has been an amazing conversation. And again, if anyone wants to reach out, even with a question, I am here. I would love to help.
So thank you so much, Dr. Ozzy. My pleasure. Okay. Have a wonderful right. day. You too. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining me in another fascinating conversation about midlife. If you'd like to reach me, Devara Krasniansky, to talk about your midlife or anything else, you can reach me at jewishmidlife at gmail.com. You can also find us on our website, jewishmidlife.com, and follow us on Jewish Midlife on Instagram or Facebook, and join our conversations in our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash Jewish Women Talk About Midlife. And share what we're doing with your friends and others in the midlife phase.